has been waiting for. The heir to the throne has finally been born. And no expense will be spared to provide everything this little child could need. But this is not what we find in the birth of Jesus, is it? The Son of Almighty God was born, and it was nothing like that. He was born in a barn, not a palace. He was wrapped in clean rags, not dressed in designer clothes. No one was there to take care of him except his poor parents. Jesus was laid in a feeding trough, not in a golden crib with gold-threaded linens. Sheep and goats had been eating in there just before him. Many hours or just a few minutes before, and I suppose it was, well, I think that trough was a little gross. <laughs> Mary and Joseph didn't have the comforts of home to offer him. They had been forced to make a five or six day journey in the last week of her pregnancy. They were in a borrowed cave. There were no grandparents or siblings to help them take care of their newborn. It was up to them, inexperienced as they were, and there was no one else to protect him from danger or to give him the care that he needed. Now, in truth, the angels were nearby. But as far as we know, there were no celestial visitors at the stable. There was just the cold, dark wind hovering all around them, nestling them as they tried to get the baby on the cleanest straw they could find. There was no hospital, no doctors, no nurses helping Mary birth her child. There was probably not even any time to find a midwife. And so Joseph alone helped his wife the best he could as she brought Jesus into the world. You know, the scene was so ordinary, so down to earth, that it was almost tragic, wasn't it? And yet that is precisely how God wanted it to be. This is exactly how God pictured the birth of His Son, Jesus. Listen to how Luke describes the birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. Though so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. What is this king doing in a feeding trough? Why isn't he lying in the royal palace where kings are meant to be born? Why is he wrapped in rags, not decked out in the finest monogram baby clothes one can imagine? These claws that Mary used, by the way, were literally strips of cloth wrapped around him, kind of like a mummy, make him feel secure, but also could be changed when needed. He had no babies or us to go to in Bethlehem. And this is how mothers back then made their babies feel snug and secure. But this is not what we would expect the son of the king to have. So why is this king of kings so unprotected, unguarded, vulnerable as can be to be born the way he was in this dark world? Well, 
because it was according to plan, God's plan. And it fit perfectly for Jesus to be born the way he was. Notice some things that the Bible said in preparation or in summary of his life. Isaiah 7.14 says, The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And when Matthew quotes this, he tells us it means God with us. God was with us in Jesus. Emmanuel, he was God come down to earth as a human being, subject to everything that we are subjected to. He's not only with us, he's not only beside us, but he became one of us. John 1.14 makes that clear. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 John 1, 1 and 2 adds this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the Word of light. The life appeared and we have seen it and testified to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Jesus was an ordinary man. He himself uh, called himself the Son of Man. There was nothing remarkable of, or, or noteworthy about his appearance or his strength or, or his stature. In fact, Isaiah 52 says this, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance we should desire him. He didn't stand out in a crowd, in other words. He had no great advantage over us, even as the Son of God. He was fully human, just as we are. His Father God wanted Him to be subject to the pain and the weaknesses and the temptations that we all face here on earth. But Hebrews 4.15 explains that He was tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet... He was without sin. Are you surprised to hear this morning that Jesus was so ordinary, so unremarkable, so human? Would you be more comfortable worshiping Him if He had a halo over His head like He does in so many of those paintings? You know, He always put this nice golden halo over His head so that you realize this is deity we're talking about here. And sometimes they like to put one over Mary and Joseph, which would be totally wrong. But somehow we feel like there's this distance between us. When you think of Jesus, how do you picture Him? Do you think of Him as the glorified, triumphant Jesus coming on the clouds? You know, someday He will come in that way. And we will know that He is King of kings and Lord of lords. It will be obvious to everybody. Or do you picture Him as this simple man that He was while walking on this earth? And we get in touch with His humanity a little bit this morning. There was one Christmas season that a, a school teacher in England supervised the construction of a manger scene in the corner of her classroom. Her pupils were really excited about this. They were very happy to set up a little barn and cover the floor with, with real straw and then arrange these clay figures of Mary and Joseph, the shepherds and the animals. And everybody uh, kind of positioned people of this story facing the little crib in which there was this tiny doll representing the infant Jesus. And one boy in the classroom just couldn't tear himself away from this manger scene. He kept going back to it over and over again. And each time, he stood there completely engrossed 
and wearing this puzzled expression on his face, the teacher finally asked him, he says, is anything bothering you? You know, do you have a question? What, what would you like to know? The little boy with his eyes still glued to the major scene said, I see Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the animals. I see baby Jesus in the manger. But what I'd like to know, where does God fit in? That's a good question for this morning. As we celebrate Christmas again this year, where does God fit in? Where does He fit into your image of Christmas and your imagination of what that night must have been like? Where does God fit into your Christmas ideas and perspective? Where does He fit into your Christmas plans and celebrations? Is God, the Son of God, a human being with flesh and blood, or just this divine visitor that you can never really feel very close to? Have you stopped to think what it means that Jesus, God's Son, came to earth to be one of us, to be completely one of us, human beings? You know, a typical king would never stoop so low as to visit a stable, let alone live in one. He has servants to tend his livestock. He doesn't concern himself with feeding them or grooming them or cleaning up their messes, if you get my drift. But this king was different. This king came to the stable and willingly. That was his design. That was his plan. He chose to be one of us in order to experience life as we experience it. Before the birth of Christ, no royalty ever dared show their humility. That would be too human, too common. In fact, kings have parades and entourages of people around them to show us that they are not commoners like us. They often try to impress everyone else with their position and their status. When Queen Elizabeth last visited America, for instance, she brought with her the following items. 4,000 pounds of luggage. She had four outfits for every day she was here. She brought 40 pints of plasma, I guess... She wanted to be prepared in case she had a medical emergency. Brought her own blood with her. She brought her own hairdresser, two valets, an official photographer, her personal secretaries, and her personal bodyguards, kind of like our Secret Service. The cost of her visit to America was $20 million. Neat contrast, God's visit to America took place in an animal stable. No attendants were present. There was... Only the baby laying down in a feeding trough. In fact, the event which divides history and changed our calendars went by unnoticed, except for a few shepherds who stopped by for a visit. So think about it this morning. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the King of Kings was lying helplessly in a manger. Have you ever thought that Jesus really was a baby and he could do what babies do, which pretty much cry? and express that they need something from you, and you have to figure out what it is. St. Augustine echoed this astonishing thought centuries ago in his beautiful poem entitled Incarnation. This is how it reads. Maker of the Son, He is made under the Son. In the Father He remains, from His mother He goes forth. Creator of heaven and earth, He was born on earth under heaven. Unspeakably wise, He is wisely speechless. Filling the world, he lies in a manger. Ruler of the stars, 
he nurses at his mother's bosom. He is both great in the nature of God and small in the form of a servant. I like how the Wesleyan Bible commentary put it. It said this, The Eternal One, caught in a moment of time, the Omnipresence, corralled in a cave manger, the Omnipotent, cradled in a helpless infant who could not even raise his head from the straw, the Omniscience, confined in a baby who would not say a word, the Christ who created the heavens and the earth, cradled in a manger in a cave stable. When God would draw near to a cold, cruel, sinful, suffering humanity, He placed a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. And so are you kind of catching on? Are you getting this this morning? Are you getting the significance of Jesus' birth that Almighty God became a baby? Jesus entered into our human experience to become one of us. Only by doing so could Jesus be the perfect sacrifice, the spotless Lamb of God taking upon Himself the sins of the world. We owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt He did not owe. Apostle Paul explained the position Jesus put Himself in. He said in Philippians 2, 6 and following, that Jesus was in His very nature God, and yet He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That is, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in his appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This baby in a manger grew up to become a man, most loving, most powerful man who ever lived. He has no equal. He has no rival, really. He is forever the victor, our deliverer, our Messiah. No one could ever stop him from doing what he came to accomplish. Try as they might. He was on a mission to save the world by surrendering his sinless life as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of the entire world. He did not merely pick up our sins and hold them you know, kind of away from himself like this dirty bag of sins. He took our sins upon himself so completely that Scripture says he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Second Corinthians 5.21 Isaiah said it this way, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God smitten by Him and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. In 1994, two Americans answered an invitation from the Russian Department of Education to teach morals and ethics based on biblical principles in their public schools. While they were there, they were invited also to teach at prisons, businesses, the fire and police departments, and also a large orphanage. It was an amazing opportunity to come into the heart of Russia and speak, teach biblical values and principles. It was nearing the holiday season, 
and the teachers wanted the orphans to hear the, for the first time the traditional Christmas story. They told them about Mary and Joseph arriving in Bethlehem and finding no room in the inn. A couple went to a stable, they said, where Jesus was born and placed in the manger. Throughout the story, the children, according to one of the Americans, just sat there in amazement as they listened. First time they ever heard this. Some sat on the edges of their stools trying to grasp every word. And as a follow-up activity to the story, each child was given three small pieces of cardboard to make a crude manger. Each child was also given a small paper square cut from yellow napkins, which the children tore into strips of paper and carefully laid them in the manger for straw. Small squares of flannel from a thrown-away nightgown were used for the baby's blanket, and pieces of tan felt were made into doll-like babies to place in those mangers. As the teachers began making their way around the room to observe what the children had made, this is what one of the Americans noted. All went well until I got to one table where little Misha sat. He looked to be about six years old and had finished his project. And as I looked at the little boy's manger, I was startled to see not one, but two babies in his manger. Quickly, I called for the translator to ask the lad why there were two babies in his manger. The teacher went on to note that Misha very accurately recalled the whole story that had been told them until he came to the part where Mary put Jesus in the manger. Then Misha started to ad lib. He made up his own ending to the story as he said, and When Maria laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked at me and he asked me if I had a place to stay. And I told him, I have no mama and I have no papa. So I don't have any place to stay. Then Jesus told me I could stay with him, Misha said. But I told him I couldn't because I didn't have a gift to give him like everybody else. But I wanted to stay with Jesus so much, so I thought about what I had that I might possibly could use as a gift. And I thought maybe if I could keep him warm, that would be a good gift. So I asked Jesus, if I keep you warm, will that be a good enough gift? And Jesus told me, if you keep me warm, that will be the best gift anybody ever gave me. So I got into the manger and then Jesus looked at me and he told me I could stay with him for always. And as little Misha finished his story, his eyes brim full of tears that splashed down his little cheeks, putting his hand over his face, his head dropped to the table and his shoulders shook as he sobbed and sobbed. This little orphan had finally found someone who would never abandon him, never abuse him, someone who would stay with him for always. God came to be with us. He came to be one of us. Jesus is with us always if we believe in him. And if Jesus is with us, we are never alone. Our loneliness is solved. If Jesus is with us, we never need to be afraid. Our fears are taken away. If Jesus is with us, we will always have everything we need. Not necessarily everything we want, but everything we need. And in Him, we can rest secure. Paul Harvey tells a story about a family on Christmas Eve. This family had a tradition where the mother and the children went to church for Christmas Eve, and father would stay home and read the paper because he didn't really get into the church scene. When the family returned home from church, they would all gather to open up their presents. 
The father was not an evil man. He just couldn't believe in the childhood stories anymore about God coming as a baby in a manger. It was a little absurd to him, so he wouldn't go. Well, that year, as the family left for church, he opened up the evening paper and began to read by the fireside. Suddenly, he heard tapping on the window, and it was a bird flying against the glass of his window, trying to get out of the snow into the warmth of his home. The man had compassion on the bird, and so he went outside, hoping somehow to let the bird in. But as he approached the bird, the bird just flew against the window even harder. Pretty soon, the bird flew into the bushes below the window, half frozen, yet too afraid to be caught by this huge man who was trying to help him. The more the man tried to reach for the bird, the more the bird flew frantically into the snow and, and into the thorns of the bushes. After a few minutes in the cold and seeing the bird continue to injure itself, the man yelled out in frustration, Stupid bird! Can't you understand that I'm trying to help you? paused and thought, Only you stood, bird. You wouldn't fly away. If only, if only I could become a bird, perhaps then I could get you to understand. And suddenly, the lights went on. as The church bells began to ring once again. And when the bells rang, he fell to his knees, simply crying, God, I didn't understand. I didn't understand. God's Son, Jesus, came in human form that we might understand and that we may be saved. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this occasion when we celebrate the birth of your Son, Jesus, into this world. We thank You for this occasion when we were reminded that You became one of us. That You so loved us that You sent Your Son into the world. That Your Son would give His life for us and pay for our sins and penalties. That we could go free. Father, that would never have worked except that Jesus became one of us. Emmanuel, God with us. So help us to remember that. Help us to realize that Jesus is still there for us today. The story didn't end with His birth. It didn't even end with His death. That He rose from the grave and He is still alive today. And He is today our Lord and our Savior. Our Jesus. Who loves us with an everlasting love. Help us to realize that we always have a home with you. That we will never be alone. We never need to be afraid. That we will always be secure in you. If there is anyone here today, Father, that is doubting about those things. And their mind is anxious. Maybe the negative thoughts have gotten the best of them. May they be comforted like little Misha. In knowing that Jesus is saying to them, I will be with you forever. Bless us as we celebrate the birth of Christ together. Um, may our hearts be sincere as we worship you during this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As uh, we sing another one of the beautiful Christmas carols, a little town of Bethlehem. Would you stand, please?